This episode is brought to you by Levitt Pavilion. This summer, check out one of my favorite outdoor concert venues in Denver, Levitt Pavilion. May through October, Levitt is offering ticketed and totally free all-ages concerts. I feel like we just go to anything that's free because it's like the kids can be at the show and it's people aren't weird about it and you can like bring a picnic. It's awesome. Some of the free shows this season include Iskali, Melvin Seals, War and Treaty, Sunny War, Chali Tuna, and more. To RSVP for free shows and buy tickets, plus see the full concert schedule, go to levittdenver.org. That's levittdenver.org. Today on CityCast Denver. Chicano activist and educator Tim Hernandez scores that vacated House District 4 seat, meaning Colorado Dems are taking another step to the left. Plus, the Johnston administration maps out 11 potential sites for safe outdoor spaces, and we wonder what the neighborhood blowback could look like. State politics and Green Chili correspondent Justine Sandoval joins me to dig into all the local stories that matter this week. Today is Tuesday, August 29th. I'm Bree Davies, and here's what Denver's talking about. Justine Sandoval, hello. Hi, Brie. So right now you are me and I'm Paul. Oh, because I'm glad I'm you. <laughs> no offense to Paul, but you get I'll to be, be Brie any day. Well, producer Paul Carilli is out. He's actually, uh, he's going to New Mexico and then he's going to your literal homeland, the San Luis Valley. So he's on the vacation you and I would love to be on. I love it. Land of enchantment. I Land mean, of ugh. broken down cars on the side of the road. <laughs> My favorite state. It's a beautiful Besides place. Colorado. I, I always say if I live somewhere else, it would probably be Albuquerque. Yeah, yeah. So, Well, it's New Mexicorado. That's what <laughs> I call it. Like if you go to the valley and then you're like Taos, all that. It's New Mexicorado. It's like all, it, yeah. it's all the same. We it's, all eat green chili. Yeah, exactly. The chili is what ties mm-hmm. us together. And the chili war. Unite oh. is a chili nation. And just respect the hatch. The yeah. New, whatever it is. Whatever We're you love. We're one chili valley. I think we it. need to stop the war. That's a good Put point. down your forks. Because also the, the lines of the state are just like arbitrary. They are. Right? It was Mexico. And before that, it was native land. So chill out, everyone. <laughs> but we're not talking about Chile today. We've got an interesting story. But before we get into that, some um some cool, like very interesting news broke over the weekend, which is that um a guest we've had on the show quite a few times, Tim Hernandez, was appointed to House District 4, which was the seat vacated by Serena Gonzalez Gutierrez. She's now our council person at large. We had Tim on the show a couple weeks ago to talk about a situation at DPS because he's a teacher. But he was also running for this position and he kind of only had a couple weeks to get his name out there because he was appointed. He wasn't being voted on. So he's a, a proud Chicano Northsider, an educator and someone who was really challenging the way DPS approached educating students of color. But Justine, I think you are the CityCast Denver official state politics and green chili correspondent. Um, but you're someone who's worked for the Dems for a long time. What do you think a voice like Tim's means in the bigger picture of the Democratic Party here in Colorado? I think Tim's voice is very important in this role. Um, He's kind of the last of a young generation of 
the people who understand the Chicano rights movement that occurred and, you know, replacing Serena, that's a big thing. She is. She's the a direct daughter, descendant. She's a granddaughter. Yeah. Corky Gonzalez. Um, so that representation is crucial. But it's kind of weird because the district has changed in the last, you know, 20 years. Um, but I think it's really important to have his voice because he is an educator. Yes. And right now, DPS is more um, segregated than it was when they desegregated schools in the 60s. And he spoke to that, I think, directly yes. because he was a North Sider who's like, I'm not even seeing myself in my school. Mm -hmm. And when I do see it in my students, it's just, it's just something that's not being not only celebrated, but at least like... Part of the conversation and the decision making and how DPS does things and how it connects with those students. Yeah. And I think that he is a good voice. I mean, he comes off as radical to some other sure. people, but I think it's still important. And it that type of voice and that type of opinion in the state house is crucial. And because I think a lot of people, we really do want to move things forward, like the whole progressive movement, right? Like, let's move things forward fast. Yes. So it is good for him to have that voice there. And I think that the thing about Tim is he's open to listening yeah. to, you know, opinions and the elders and how we should really go forward. So he's very fiery. And I do love, I kind of like, I mean, that's what makes him interesting to me is like, he's just, he is, he's, he's yeah. explosive in how he talks about what he cares about. No, I love that. And as an, a little Northside girl myself, um, you know, I got his back. I'm his OG. So <laughs> I really, I understand that. And I value that because there were a lot of people that didn't like my fiery North sideness for a long time. And now it's actually become a brand. Isn't and that interesting? people love it. I'm like, okay. You but, lived through the era when like, yeah, when people, I was just, people were like, you're gonna. Yeah. And I'm like, no, I'm just representing my hood. I'm just real. And it became a thing because we needed that representation. And yeah. I think he embodies that. So yeah, I wish I, him the best of luck. I do too. I think it'll be really interesting to see what he does in this new position because he's done so much just as a teacher. Yeah. So congrats, Tim. Uh, okay. So the, the big story we wanted to talk about as well was the Johnston administration has picked out 11 sites for potential what they're calling micro communities. So this uh, this landed in the news last week. Um, they announced these 11 possible locations for short term housing options across the city, and they hope to create a thousand short term housing like units soon. And units is very subjective, right? In some of these cases, it's some old motels. Some of it is just like a site for a safe outdoor space, which we've seen across the city. And so Nine News reported that it includes land owned by the city, land owned by CDOT, Denver Housing Authority, Denver Health, and some private landowners. And again, like I said, these sites include former hotels. There's a spot actually by the Corky Gonzalez Library they're looking at. Um, Justine, what was your first uh, impression of these 11 possible locations? I think it's great. And it's it's kind of early to tell if like this is going to work, but I give the Johnson administration um, kudos because they are really going for this solution. And let's be real. There's not a neighborhood that homelessness impacts more than any other. It is citywide. It's countywide. And so a collaborative approach with places in multiple communities is necessary. I agree with you. And, and what I think is interesting, though, is um, 
I think about the Park Hill situation. In 2021, there was a church in Park Hill that Mm -hmm. offered to host the safe outdoor space and neighbors sued the Colorado Village Collaborative. They sued the Park Hill United Methodist Church and they sued the lead pastor as well as the city of Denver Yeah, um, because they said that this space was quote-unquote unsafe to be near children. I've read the quotes on there. They're like, what am I supposed to tell my children when they see this? And that was crazy to me because I grew up on the north side, but my parents are both from Curtis Park on Curtis Street. And we would go down there constantly. And all of Larimer, all of Blake, before any of this was homeless encampments so yeah. it's not and a this, new we're talking thing like we're talking about 1990 yeah through nine even 2000 even earlier i think when yeah. there was like when larimer was quote skid row skid row and i think it's just hard for folks to picture or understand that um you know just a couple of decades ago downtown had a lot more encampments it, it, it kind of looked like it does today it's just it's kind of spread people out people don't live there And when you've moved people out or you've moved in, it didn't mean homelessness went away. One of my favorite examples of this is right on Park Avenue there. There's that community garden. That was like the unhoused gathering spot. Gathering spot. Mm -hmm. And then they put a fence up like it was going to stop it. And then it literally pushed people on the sidewalks. And that poor garden looks sad as I know. It's right next to the rescue mission. And I'm like, you got to be both sitting in there like... And it, that's the thing. And when I hear people say like, oh, I don't know what to tell my children. I grew up around that. And you know, my mom told me every time she talked to me about unhoused people in a very compassionate way. My babysitter, Bernice, RIP Bernice, shout out. She watched all the kids in the East Side. Um, we would go every Wednesday to Sacred Heart Church. And there's a food bank there. And Dolores and all the other church ladies. We would give them food and yeah. bread. And we would talk about unhoused people in a very compassionate way and I don't understand why so many people don't feel like they can do that and I think maybe it's because I grew up around it and I just understand it yeah it's part of our city it's part of yeah they're part of who we are these are our neighbors they were our neighbors it was never like these people there and actually a lot of those people were people's relatives and stuff in the neighborhood sure and they would like go find them on christmas and bring them back to their houses so there was a lot of compassion there that i just think is lacking now and it has to do with people moving into communities that they didn't grow up in or don't understand what the dynamics are no and they're just like what is this i'm like this is you this is humanity. This is what this our is, neighborhood is yeah. like. And this is not unique to Denver. It's all over. Yeah. And so I think that the the approach right now with the Johnson administration coming in, it, it's the right approach. Yeah. What I, I find interesting, though, is like it's sort of like it's he's being very cautious because I think he knows the potential for this to become a bunch of lawsuits. Oh, yeah. Right. Um, so I, I do want to say that suit against the church in Park Hill and the pastor in the city was dismissed mm-hmm. um, by a judge. But um, in, in this current map, and we'll share a link to it where you can see where these locations are picked out. They're actually not doing as many in your district, in District 9, because... Yeah. You've, you've really been sort of the place where folks have been congregating for a long time. So they're trying to spread it out. Yeah. Right? And I Share will say the- I was very happy with that, but not not because I care that it's in our neighborhood, but it is not unique to our neighborhood. 
So right. I'm glad that they've seen that. And what I thought Nine News pointed out, they said some of the locations in the city's wealthiest neighborhoods are still a secret. So they haven't announced those yet. Oh, um, yeah. <laughs> and Johnson says the list is not finalized and the city's in negotiations with some private landowners about details of these arrangements before they make an announcement. Yeah. Because um, they will freak out. Yes. Some of these neighborhoods, these like... I don't know. I don't even call them NIMBYs, EMBYs, all these I things. I thought about that too when, yeah. I was, when I was prepping for this conversation. I was like, are these NIMBYs? Are we? No. Are we Are we a NIMBY versus YIMBY conversation Nobody here? knows because anything I say, I'm suddenly YIMBY or I'm a NIMBY and everyone's mad at me. I'm like, I'm just a Denver person <laughs> wanting everyone to have a home. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. And it's really, I, yeah, I was thinking about like my, my great grandparents lived in Crestmore. Yeah. I don't imagine Crestmore having... <laughs> a safe outdoor space i mean like you no, know what yeah. i mean but it, freak these people freak. But at the same time why not like why and i don't want to say share the burden i've been thinking about how we talk about this mm-hmm. share the responsibility that we have thank you to that's our a neighbors. great word responsibility yeah we're all like, human beings yeah and i think I, i'm i'm glad that the johnston administration is is having this conversation at all because i think this was one of the biggest criticisms of the hancock administration was he just didn't want to have that conversation. No, because it... Encampments, none. No, we're no. not doing it. They didn't want to take on that. They didn't want to take on the stigma of them, like, normalizing it. Yeah. But it is. It's a reality. It's part of our city. It's part of... It's a... That's a, like it's, people being upset, like, oh, there's poop on the sidewalks. And so I'm like, well, creep bathrooms. Like, the yeah. very essence of our humanity is, like, everyone's got to poop. Everyone's got to use a restroom. Rich or poor, we all have to do the same thing. Trust me. I don't know. If I didn't have a bathroom, it would be wild. I I know. 20 times a day. I was thinking about this because there's there's some folks that are sort of have created an encampment in the alley by my house. Mm -hmm. And they were fighting very loudly the other day while I was working in my office. And I was like feeling myself getting mad and annoyed about it. And then I had to stop and like examine my judgment. And I was talking to my husband about it and I was like, I am upset because I'm hearing something that normally we don't hear because if these folks had four walls, I wouldn't have to hear their business just as they don't have to hear when I'm fighting with my husband. So am I getting that mad about them or am I getting, should I be getting more mad about the system that created something where folks are forced to live in this space? Exactly. That's like the trash pickup. People are like, yes, I was like, thank you. Yes. You know what? Every week I fill up my trash bin and I roll it out and the city picks it Someone up. Someone takes care of it. Yeah. And if I didn't have a home, Where I would still trash create go? trash and I wouldn't have anyone pick it up. It's just the most logical solutions. And so that's what I am giving the new administration lots of credit for. Bathrooms. Trash pickup. Trash pickup. Basic human needs. Yeah, I, I I agree with you. I think it remains to be seen how things will play out in, say, a year. But I would say so far, I think the Jan- Johnston administration is really taking this as seriously as he promised he was It's the number to. one issue. And it's For sure. still, like, nothing else came to the top when they were talking to people right. about what the issues are. It was the issue. And it is still the only issue. Yeah. So they're tackling it. Because it's connected to all these other things. So, um. It, I also, we had a, set, a safe outdoor space in our community at Second and Federal, just across from Columbine Steakhouse. I I would guarantee you most folks didn't even notice it was nope, there. No, nope. the tiny house village was up the street from me. 
no one even realized it was there. And I would say, not to like make people become touristy looky loose, but there are current safe outdoor spaces and tiny home villages currently in operation in our city. If you're on the fence about this or you don't know how you feel about it, just like go buy one and you'll maybe not even notice that no, you've you right by it. And all of the neighbors like say like, it was fine. It yeah. was great. They were great neighbors. So I, we would love to know what you think. Um, would you welcome a safe outdoor space or some sort of temporary housing option, say, on your own block? Oh, heck yeah. You know, <laughs> if you're listening, call our SOS yes or no hotline at 720-500-5418 and tell us what you're thinking about with this new approach from the Johnston administration. Um, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, comments and thoughts from you, our listeners. This episode is brought to you by the Colorado Wine Board. Because the wine community here is like surprisingly robust. I mean, think about Bigsby's Folly and Infinite Monkey Theorem here in Denver alone. And there are urban wineries all across the Front Range. Then there's the Western Slope, Peonia, I mean, Palisade, hello, Palisade Wine, are you kidding me? It didn't used to really be a thing, but from what I hear, it's very much a thing now. There are more than 165 wineries across Colorado to explore, and they produce all sorts of wine that reflect our unique culture and climate. So finding a label that you're going to love is easy, no matter where your adventure takes you. Discover it for yourself and support local winemakers at coloradowine.com. That's coloradowine.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. And we're back. As always, we love to hear from you, our dear listeners. And we've got a few topics that you all have commented on. But I want to start with this conversation around RTD and the airport, which are two things we talk about a lot on this show. Um, last week on the show, we had John Murray from the Denver Post on to talk about his deep dive reporting on the potential widening of Pena Boulevard, aka the sort of car option to get to the airport. Um, I want to share... Uh, an email we got from a listener, Cindy S. She wrote, so I work for a major airline, Delta. I commute from Denver to Salt Lake City, and I have been based in a lot of other large cities across the country. And I'm in and out of DIA anywhere from one to eight times a month since it opened in around 95 or 96. Um, Cindy lives in the Whittier neighborhood and actually bought this house because at the time it was just a few minutes from the light rail. At the beginning, they were supposed to add service from the original D line at Welton and Downing Street. It might be the L line now. Uh, that would add a, sh they would add a shuttle or something uh, from Blake Street to the A line. Basically, there was I think a lot of promises made by RTD, especially in these neighborhoods where they were close to this Welton line. Um, 
Cindy says uh, they haven't done it and she doesn't believe that they will. She said RTD is kind of a joke overall. Um, she says, I met with my district rep for RTD in 2018 to discuss my feelings about the A-line and how they could improve it. And she says, obviously, she took notes but did nothing. Um, Cindy goes on to explain that she parks a DIA for $36 a month overall. I think she might have an employer program. Um, but she says she does this versus paying up to $21 eight times a month to ride RTD. Justine, you go to you are you are a girl of the airport. I am. What do you think about <laughs> what do you think about Cindy's frustrations as a Delta employee? No, I totally get that. And it's it has to be even harder as an employee of an airline. Um, one of the reasons why I stuck around the neighborhood is I am one block from the A-line uh, for oh, Blake wow. Street right there. And it eliminated the fact that I ever had to ask anyone for a ride to the airport anymore. I sneak off constantly. So like, it wor- It works if it's, I, this if is you what are we close. talk about, the proximity. Yes. Right? The A-line is awesome if you don't have to take, like, go to park and ride and then take a bus. It literally only works there. for me because I'm one block away. And then the very few people who are also one block away from the A-line. But I, I understand that frustration. And there is nothing. The light rail is a great idea that was very poorly executed. Totally. Because like now, like I live on the west, west side and my husband travels much more than I do. And often he, I drop him off at Union Station. He takes the A line and then he'll take it back in and then he Ubers back home. Yeah. Which is not the end of the world, but it's still, it can be costly. It's the commute. Now, and back in the day, it used to be a hundred dollars. Like a cab ride, before Before Uber. Yeah. Yeah. If I took a cab from the airport, it was a hundred plus. I'd be like praying it didn't hit a hundred dollars because all I had was a hundred dollars. Like, because none of my friends want to get up at uh, no, five no a.m. and pick me out up. There. And it's hard because you got to circle around. You're like, you can't stop. No. So I would cab, and it would be a hundred bucks. And even Ubers now are close to that now. No, like, totally. There's mornings when I haven't planned to get on the train. I'm like $90 in to it's take an crazy. Uber. But I also love Cindy's point here really quick before we move on that um, it's cheaper for her to drive her car yes. and park it as an employee. A lot of employees. And she moved to a place to try to be near the, like this is a person actively trying to use public transit and then it doesn't serve her and it's cheaper and easier to drive. It's That's never going to change. That's a whole dynamic endeavor we need to change. And I think there's a big movement for that right now, um, cheaper to drive. People are going to drive. So we need to create public transit. Right now, it's free. Right. But let's keep that going. It just makes sense. Like a free train from the airport into the city. Oh my God, the airport also makes so much money. Like, can we just fund it? That's our largest employer of Denver. If you didn't listen to our episode last week with John Murray, he explains a little bit of how the airport financing works with the transit stuff and it will infuriate you. Oh my God. (laughs) I I need to listen, but I'm sure I I have an idea already. Just, It's, it's annoying. It's annoying. It is. I mean, the airport could fund the free train. Oh, for sure. <laughs> they don't. They choose not to. Um, okay, so before we go, we got a couple of voicemails from you all of your own recommendations from our visitor's guide we did last week. We did that with you, Justine. Yeah. You helped us craft this visitor's guide of where we would take people if they came to visit us in Denver. So we're going to hear a couple of voicemails. Hello, this is Lauren uh, from the Capitol Hill neighborhood uh, calling in regard to the uh, Places that you would go uh, if you were having a visitor 
some of the ones that I would recommend, and I'm doing a bar crawl on Friday to them, are going to be uh, Squire Lounge is a big one. Knob Hill is one that's a mainstay. And then also uh, Titan, I want to throw that in there because uh, the next door neighbor PZA is fantastic. And we are doing a bar crawl down Colfax at uh, 6.30. Uh, we're going to catch uh, 15 from Cleveland Place from Broadway. So if anyone is interested in seeing these places, uh, they should definitely check that out. Uh, thank you for everything you do, and uh, big fan of the show. Bye. Hi, guys. Uh, it's Jared, and um, I actually live in Fort Collins, um, and I just enjoyed listening to your um, 36 Hours in Denver episode. Um, but I would add a few things. I would add um, uh, Denver Biscuit Company. Uh, maybe that's a little basic for you or, or maybe not, like, uh, quirky enough or something. But um, I, I don't know. I really love that place, especially uh, for a uh, quick breakfast after a hangover. Um, maybe even call in an order and bring it back to uh, wherever your guest is staying. Um, the other place that I think is really neat in Denver is uh, Bull and Bush Brewing. Um, get like a, a steak or something there. It's just such a funky building. It's old. Um, they've been there forever, and uh, the uh, the people who work there are really awesome. Um, and, uh, oh, the other one would be uh, Tacos de Mexico uh, for a quick casual lunch. Um, that place is awesome, too. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. I live in Fort Collins. Um, maybe I don't know Denver as well as some people, uh, but those are the places that stand out to me. Okay, first of all, great recommendations all around from both of these folks. Jared, don't talk yourself down so much. I am game for like literally everything you said, but I love Squire, Knob Hill. I mean, those are hardcore Colfax bars. If if your friend can hang there, they're cool. Yeah, the Squire is my favorite bar (laughs) besides the Chicks Club. But I mean, they have that great mural of all of Colfax around. So good. Wu-Tang Wednesdays, that was the OG spot. Oh. I know. I think about all the drink specials when we're, they're talking about yeah. stuff. Tight End is another new great bar, uh, formerly where Streets of London was, if you if you know that area. Scooter Liquors right next to it, which totally. I named my first cat after, Scooter. Oh. I know. So cute. But um, Denver Biscuit Company, I'm down. I have to say, it's one of my easier brunch places because mm-hmm. like he said you can grab something to go and take it back but like i don't know the wait there usually isn't too bad and i you get to drink your coffee while you're waiting yeah have, like, oh yeah you've got bar. you've got your coffee here yeah. right here from denver biscuit i did Company. i went to denver biscuit co this morning i for the franklin with I the veggie think, gravy i think it's a great i think yeah I, I get the ellsworth which has got like mustard and honey yeah. oh it's so good but um i just think it's a great easy if you don't want to a whole to do for brunch. This is a real easy spot. Um, and then he brought up Bull and Bush. That's my part of town. That's where I grew up. I grew up a couple blocks from Bull and Bush. It is a very weird building, as he says. It's supposed to look like an uh, an English pub. So the best part is you walk in and it is dank and dark in there. It'll be a Tuesday afternoon and you are like, oh, I am in a bar. Food is great. They have green chili. They have. I mean, I. Their French onion soup is insane. And they have a great patio. If you're looking for a spot to watch a game of any kind, they have an awesome enclosed patio with a ton of TVs. It's a good spot. So I love I love these additions. You can keep them coming um, because I think we could probably amend our visitor's guide. Totally. And like, Taco de Mexico. Oh, I yeah. I forgot about 
that i don't know i forgot it's delicious i know but like we didn't do any santa fe anything on santa fe yeah i would have been like go to swift's for breakfast oh my god that's that's <laughs> kaylin's favorite spot. i went to swift's and i got like my ham and eggs it's cheaper than going to McDonald's and getting a combo now. It's like eleven dollars. Yeah, it's like nine dollars. Swift's is also the secret breakfast place if you don't want to do a crazy brunch. Yeah, you could sneak you just in there. It's eat a, kind of like a diner. Ten dollars steak and eggs. Get Oof, out. Get greasy. In, get out. So good. Um, but if you have any thoughts on our visitor's guide or any of our episodes, really, um, you can call our all Denver all the time hotline at seven two zero five zero zero five four one eight, and we love to hear from you, Justine. Thanks for joining me. Thank you for having me. That's all for today here on CityCast Denver. If you enjoyed this show, why not take a minute to tell the owners of the Denver Biscuit Company about us? Rate the show wherever you get your podcasts and subscribe to our morning newsletter, Hey Denver, and learn more about us at denver.citycast.fm. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more news from around the city. See you later.